Today's reading is from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. This is God's word. Good morning. Let's just pause and invite God to speak to us. Father, we thank you for your word, and we ask that you would instruct us and encourage us and meet with us in the word today. Amen. We're going to begin today a short series of messages in which we will be talking about certain practices that Christians engage in in order to grow stronger in their faith, in order to stay close to Jesus. Um, These practices are sometimes referred to as means of grace. Other people commonly call them spiritual disciplines, and they include things like reading the Bible, praying, going to church, fasting, taking communion, um, silence and solitude, acts of service, sacrificial giving. They're just, they, they, are, they are activities that Christians will perform on a consistent basis through their life in response to the call that they've received from Jesus to follow him as his disciples. So we'll be talking about some of those, those practices in, in the next few weeks. Today, just by way of introduction to this subject, I'd like us to look at this short passage from the book of 1 Timothy, because I think this passage gives us, it tells us two important things. It tells us how we are to practice these spiritual disciplines, just in general, how we're to do this. It tells us how, and then it tells us why, why Christians do this. So we'll start with how. Um, the book of 1 Timothy is a letter. It was written by the Apostle Paul to a young pastor he was mentoring, a young man named Timothy. And in this part of the letter, Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, we need to be godly. That's what he says. You see that word twice, verse 7, verse 8. Verse 8, he says, godliness has value for all things. So he's saying, Timothy, we need to be godly. And, and the word that they translate godly means, it means devout, it means holy, it means to, to be in possession of true spiritual virtues. And, of course, the the big question is, how does a person become godly? Now, we might think that that since godliness is a spiritual quality, we might think that the the way to become godly is just kind of sit back and wait for the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to do something to me to make me godly. Um, But that's not what Paul says. I don't think he would discount our need for the Spirit, but he doesn't say, if you want to become godly, just go home and sit in your chair and wait for the Holy Spirit. No. He says, if you want to become godly, you need to train yourself. You need to train yourself. 
End of verse 7, he says, train yourself to be godly. New American Standard Bible says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. And the, and the word train yourself, discipline yourself, is it, it's the, uh, translating the Greek word, the old Greek word, from which we get our English word gymnasium. It sounded a lot like gymnasium. And it was the word that literally meant to do physical exercise. So how do we practice spiritual disciplines? Well, Paul says that we, we, as Christians, we need to engage in spiritual discipline in much the same way that people exercise physically. That's kind of the metaphor he's using for us here, thinking of physical exercise. So what, what would you conclude from that? Well, let me, let me tease out a few, a few things about physical exercise that I think instruct us in the way we should practice these disciplines. So the first, the first is this. You'll agree with this, I'm sure. Exercise requires effort, right? Requires effort. Now, you, you could go home this afternoon. If you go on YouTube, there are thousands of um, physical fitness videos that you can watch. It show you the right, the right technique for swimming, the right technique for lifting weights, the right technique for yoga, for whatever, you know, whatever you're into. Different, And you could, if you wanted to, you could spend the rest of today doing nothing but watching other people exercise. And that would not get you into shape, would it? You might even be in worse shape because you've just been sitting there. If, to, listen, if you want to get into better physical condition, you actually have to do something. And it seems that Paul is saying it's the very same way with becoming godly. It, it, it requires effort. Uh, one Christian author named D.A. Carson, he, he wrote this. He said, people do not drift toward holiness. People don't drift into holiness. He said, apart from grace-driven effort, People do not gravitate toward godliness. So just like getting into shape physically, and we've all probably, you know, exercised at different times, getting into shape spiritually, becoming a godly woman, a godly man, requires effort from us. And we know this. I mean, reading, reading the Bible requires some effort. Right? You have to open the book. You have to read the words. Finding time in your schedule to pray requires effort. Um, getting up on a Sunday morning like you did today and Coming to church every didn't you, you just you didn't wake up here did you right you just it required some effort for you to come to this building today and so Paul is saying to become a godly person you we will have to exert ourselves that's why he says in verse ten he says that's why look at look at the verbs he use uses that's why we labor and strive it's something that Paul would describe his own life as a Christian engaging in these kinds of disciplines as laboring and striving. And the word they translate labor, it meant to toil to the point of exhaustion. The word they translate strive meant to struggle on even in the face of pain. I wonder, if, I wonder what would it look like, um, what would our lives look like if people described our engagement in reading the Word, our engagement in prayer, our engagement in these disciplines. If somebody said, yeah, you know, she really, she labors at this. He labors in prayer. He, 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 he's really putting effort into this. So th that's what Paul is saying, that how do we practice these disciplines? Just like people exercise, this will require effort. So that's one thought. Exercise requires effort. Second thought is exercise is personal. 
There's something very personal about physical exercise. So, for example, if you were to go into any local gym, and there's gyms all over Astoria, you go into any local gym, you'll probably see a weight bench there. There's the bench, there's the rack, there's the bar. You lie down, you lift, you lift the weights. And notice, on the side of the bench, there's lots and lots of different weights that you can put on the bar. And is it something? You get to decide. You can put lots of weights on the bar. You can put just a few. You can put those big heavy weights. You can put the little tiny ones. Those are the ones I really like. You can put the little tiny weights on the bar. And, and so they, they, they give you that freedom. As a gym member, you get to lift what, what seems right for you. It's the same. They have the stationary bicycle, and you know they have that little setting. You can set the bike so it's so hard to pedal. It's like you're pedaling up Mount Everest. Right? You can do that, or you can make it easy. It's kind of like you're just coasting through the park. Now, have you ever asked yourself, this is so obvious, we don't even think to ask. Why do, in the world of physical fitness, why do fitness centers, why are they arranged that way? Why don't they just make it so every gym member is required to lift exactly the same weight? Hmm? Or everyone must do exactly the same? Well, you know the answer. It's so obvious. Because we're not all the same. Some people are big. Some people are small. Some are young, some are old. We're, we're not all the same. We're not all at the same place. We don't all have the same needs. So um, if, you ever, if you are in a gym and you hire a professional trainer, he or she will do what? He or she will help you to find the physical, uh, the, the fitness program that works for you. It may not be like everyone else's. It will work for you. Now, I think that Paul is saying that spiritual disciplines in the lives of Christians are kind of like this. You, you, you need to, you find what some Christians have called the rule of life. You find a pattern, a rhythm that just fits and works for you. So you'll notice that Paul says to Timothy, end of verse 7, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself. That the word there is second person singular, not plural. Now, Timothy is to command and instruct the whole church to be engaged in this, but when it comes to, to spiritual training, this is you training, you disciplining, you. Now, I think that in that sense, the, the Christian faith is kind of... Um, it's, it's unusual when you compare it to other religious systems. I don't know if it's unique. There may be other religions like this, but it's, it's unusual. For example, if you can uh, look at Islam, and I do not say this to disrespect Muslims. Most of us have Muslim friends. We respect them. We care about them. I just, I just want to point out, basically, I'm sharing this to show how weird Christianity is, all right? So in Islam, every Muslim in the world is instructed, required to pray five times every day. They are to, to pray at set times that are already arranged. They're all to pray using the exact same posture. They're all to pray facing the same direction. They are all to pray saying exactly the same words. And they, if, you're, if you're a practicing Muslim, you must pray in the same language. You must pray in Arabic, even if you don't understand it. And, and I'm not mocking that. Just, that just kind of makes sense. That's the way you would set up a human religion. Everyone does the same thing. Isn't Christianity weird? It's not like that at all. So, for example, the Bible tells us that we, we are to pray. As Christians, we are to be men and women of prayer. Okay, so how many times a day are we supposed to pray? Well, let's look it up. It doesn't say. How, how long are we supposed to pray? Again, it doesn't say. What, what about our posture? Do we kneel? Do we stand? Again, you, you'll never find that. At least it's not in my Bible. It doesn't tell us. 
And, and, and Jesus gave us to understand that he expects us to be fasting. Fasting will be part of our life. So what are the precise days in the calendar year when Christians are supposed to fast? Doesn't say. How long do we have to fast? One meal, two meals, three days? And when I fast, can I have, can I have liquids? You know, it never tells us. Like God's just like, work it out. Figure it out. What, what feels right for you? Isn't that strange? Again, with Scripture, we know that we are to immerse ourselves in the Word of God. We are to be students of God's Word. So here's the question. Exactly how many chapters of the Bible should a Christian read every day? Again, never tells us. It's, it's as if God is saying, I want to meet with you. I want you to know me. I want you to discipline your life in such a way that you're able to, uh, to pursue godliness. So if you, uh, if you practice the, the spiritual disciplines, you'll probably find that you might have a Christian friend who prays a lot more than you do. Like she prays so much more than you. Or you may know somebody else in the church and he reads the Bible a lot more than you do. Can I just, can I say something to you? That's okay. This is not a competition. Right? We're not here to outdo each other. You need to, find, you need to find out what works for you. So Thomas Akempis, the great European Christian leader in the Middle Ages, he, here's what he said. He said, we cannot all use the same kind of spiritual exercises, but one suits this person and another suits that person. And he said different devotions are suited also to different seasons of our life. You might have a season of life where you have lots of time to spend in the Word, lots of time to spend in prayer, and you might have that crunch time at work where you don't have that much time. And God says, well, let's, let's work out what suits you. Now, some people are uncomfortable with that kind of freedom. I'd rather you just tell me what I'm supposed to do. But God's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. This is not about you following some system. This is about, God says this is about you meeting with me. You remember in the Sermon on the Mount, do you ever notice this where Jesus says, he says, when you pray, pray in secret. And your Father who sees what's done in secret, he will reward you. And when, and when you fast, fast in secret. Your Father who sees what's done in secret, he will reward you. And when you give to the poor, do this in secret. Your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. Now, I, he said that, but I don't think Jesus meant no one should ever know that you've been praying, ever, right? No one should ever know that you've been helping the poor, ever. I, listen, I, I don't think he meant that because Jesus prayed in public. Right? And Jesus fed the hungry in public. I don't... So why did he say that? Here's what I think he meant. I think Jesus was saying, listen, Christian, there should be something about your devotional rhythms, your devotional life. It's private. It's personal. It may not be like anyone else's. Why? Because it's just between you and God. You work this out. So uh, just like uh, exercise, how do, we, how do we engage in these disciplines as Christians? How do we structure our life of, of life of worship, a life in the Word, a life in prayer? Well, um, just like exercise, this will require effort. Hmm? Your Bible is not going to read itself, right? But it needs to be very personal that fits you. So requires effort. It's personal. And one final thing, um, how should we... If 
Spiritual disciplines are similar to physical exercise. How should we do them? I would just say this. To be effective, they have to be consistent, right? To be effective, they have to be consistent. In exercise, would you agree consistency is more important than intensity? Like you're going to be, you'll probably be in better shape at the end of the year if you just do push-ups every morning than if, you know, every three months you spend eight hours in the gym and that's it. I mean, it's just, it's, it's the cumulative effect of, of a daily rhythm. And you see Paul um, hinting at that in this passage when he says to Timothy, Timothy, train yourself to be godly. The tense of that verb, train yourself, was one that indicated this idea of ongoing continuous action. So you could translate that phrase, Timothy, continually keep on training yourself to be godly. So Paul here, he's not describing one, a one-off intensive moment in your life. He's not dis- describing a one-time event. What, what's, he, what's he describing? I think he's describing a lifestyle. What would it look like for a man or woman just to live a, a Live a life of prayer, just part of your life. Live a life in the Word. Live, live, live a life as a worshiper, one who, this is just the way you live your life. Once a week, you gather with God's people, you worship. That's just, just a, a, a rhythm in your life. I think that to be effective, it has to be that. Christian philosopher James K.A. Smith, he said this, acquiring virtue takes practice. Godly dispositions are inscribed into our character through rhythms and routines and rituals enacted over and over again. Uh, Just the consistent, repeated action. So we all kind of know this. Listen, um, I hope you're having a good time at church today. I hope this sermon is meaningful. But let me just be honest with you. One visit to church is not going to change your life. One sermon, no matter how good, is not going to change your life. One time of prayer is not going to change you. One time in the Word is not going to change your life. But you live your life that way consistently over the years, constantly gathering to hear God's Word, constantly praying. You just live your life that way. Paul says not only will that change your life, he says that will change your eternity he says physical training has value, has, is of some value, but training yourself in godliness has value for all things, holding promise both for the present life and the life to come. Some, some have uh, suggested that our, our practice of the spiritual disciplines is kind of a daily, weekly, regular routine. It's, it's kind of like... Um, you, you know, have you ever heard the phrase muscle memory? Like how they say your muscles have memory. I don't know what that means, but I, I know how it works. So, for example, um, Brad was playing the keyboard. Um, he wasn't thinking about what notes to hit. There's just thousands of hours. Any musician here, thousands of hours of, 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 of playing the scales over and over and over. Just kind of trains. Without thinking, your body knows how to do that. At least that's what they tell me. I don't know how to do it, right? Or, or people who are really, really good at basketball, you know? How, how is it that when the pressure is on, it's the final second of the game, it's, it's, they have to make a free throw. It's either win or lose on this one shot. How is it that without, they don't have to think about, hold the ball like this, bend your knees like this. It just, their body does it. Why? Because they've trained themselves hours and hours and hours. They, this muscle memory. Some have suggested that there's kind of a spiritual muscle memory that we have. 
you spend time in prayer every day, good days, bad days, sunny days, rainy days, year after year after year, and then when the darkest crisis of your whole life hits, instinctively you find yourself praying. You don't, have to, you don't have to think about it. You don't have to learn how to, let me read a book on prayer, learn how to do this. No, you, 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 your soul knows how to meet with the Savior, talk with Him. Or you spend your life, just you're a student of the Word. You're hearing the Word, reading the Word. You just live your life this way again and again. And then when that lie from the enemy that is so confusing, it distorts all of reality, you can't even think straight, this temptation is so strong. When that moment happens... Boom, you know. It's like, it's like your heart is fixed on the North Star. You know what direction to go. Why? Because the Word of God is not just something you hear. It's become part of you. It's shaped you. So these are what spiritual disciplines are. This is how we do them. You find a, find a routine that works for you. Pastor Jeffrey and I, we are not going to tell you exactly what to do. When we talk about prayer, we talk about time in the Word, you, God will help you figure this out. You find a routine that works for you, but be willing to put some effort into it. And then listen, you just stick with it through your life. So that's, that's how we should practice these disciplines now. Second, I'll be faster, but this is more important. Why? Why do we do these things? Why should this be part of your life? You know, Paul says to Timothy, command and teach these things. In other words, this God expects us to be doing this. Why? Well, Paul answers that question directly in verse 10. He says, this is, that is why, this is why we labor and strive. Paul, why do you labor and strive? He says, because we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all people and especially of those who believe. Now think about it. Here's what Paul's saying. He's saying the reason, the reason we put so much effort into training ourselves to be godly, the, the, the reason we discipline ourselves this way, the reason we fast, the reason we pray, the reason we meditate regularly on the, on the Word of God, he said, listen, it's not because we feel we have to do these things to get God to love us. We have to do these things to get God to save us. He says, no, we, We've put our hope in the living God who is the Savior. He is the Savior. In, in other words, Paul says, uh, we, we don't discipline ourselves so that God will save us. Isn't this weird? He says we discipline ourselves because he already has. And this, this, is, where, this is where for the Christian spiritual disciplines are very different than what you read the Pharisees did, Right? For the Christian, spiritual discipline is a response to grace, God's grace. You know, you, re you read about the Pharisees in, in, the, uh, in the New Testament, and it seems that they were confused about this. Because if you read about them, they were very, very disciplined people. They fasted, they prayed, they studied Scripture, they gave their tithes. They, I mean, they were disciplined. But it seems that the reason they were doing these things was that they, they felt that they had, to, they had to prove themselves. They had to prove that they were righteous. Prove it to God, prove it to themselves, prove it to, to others. They just had to prove, listen, believer in Christ, would you listen to me? You don't have anything to prove. 
You don't have, you have any reason to prove anything to anyone, not even to God. Why? Because God has already proved that He loves you. Amen? He gave His Son for you. What, what more would you possibly have to do to get God to smile upon you with favor? He'll never stop smiling on you with favor. He loves you. So Paul says, here's why, here's why I live this disciplined life. In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says, I beat my body and make it my slave. That's the way he described his, his spiritual disciplines. Like, I'm really, I'm really, really into this. Why? He says, because we have put our hope in the living God who's the Savior of the whole world, and especially those who believe. So the, I'll, I'll end with this, the one thought, I, just the one thought I want you to take into this series, all right? No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, some of you are seasoned Christians. You could, you could, you could give better instruction on the disciplines than I can, all right? You, this is part of your life. Maybe someone here, you're not even sure if you're a Christian. You're just kind of seeking. Wherever you are, listen. The Father really loves you. God really loves you. So when you hear the Word of God, for example, God, God calling you to study His Word. This is not God giving you busy work. Like God says, yeah, you look like you're having a little bit too much fun. Yeah, I'll give you an assignment. Spend some time reading the Bible. It's, it's not that. This is a father who loves you. And so when, he's, and when he calls you to study the word, this is what he's saying. He's saying, I really love you. And I really, I really have some truths that I want to share with you that I, would transform your life. Would you be willing to set aside some time so I can begin to speak to you from my word? I, I know people that their, their father never spoke to them. They just, their dad never had time. He's always working, always doing something. Your heavenly father loves you. He wants to... He's just saying, would you be willing to set aside some time so I can start to speak to you? I love you. It's the same with prayer. The Bible calls us to be praying daily, time in prayer. Is this just God placing some burden on you? Like, as if I didn't have enough to do already, Lord. Now you want me to pray? No. This is a Father who loves you. He's saying, listen, I really care about what concerns you. I, I know there's some heavy things in your heart. I'm listening. I want to hear them. Will you please unburden yourself to me? Because I'm telling you, God says, I'm right now on the edge of my chair, ready to act in your life. Would you be willing to set aside some time? Because I'm ready. I'm ready to listen, to talk with me, or with coming to church. You know, I, I really think this ought to be part of our rhythm. We just live our life. Once a week, we all get together and we, we, we worship the Lord. And that just sounds like, oh, boy, here we go. One more legalistic rule. No. Guys, there's a Father who loves us. We're His children. It's as if he, when He calls you to worship, it's, it's like He's saying, listen, you're one of my children. When I set, when I set the table for the family meal, I, I want every one of my children there, especially you. I love you. So... Um, you see what I mean? For the Christian, the disciplines are not a way to prove ourselves. This is all a response to grace. Why? Because we've put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially us. Let's pray together. God, I pray that you would 
teach by your spirit and your word every one of us rhythms of unforced grace in our life so that we would know you and your love for us better than we, better than we do today. And I pray this for the glory of your son, Jesus. Amen.